Lead me to some soul today. Welcome, everyone, uh, to episode number 10 of a series of episodes we're calling Leading Others to Christ. And during these episodes, we will be focused on evangelism. Uh, and one of our, we have several goals with this, but one of our goals is to, is really to get us all stirred up, maybe get us stirred up again, uh, and, and, and especially in the area of reaching our family and our friends and neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker. I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in, in Franklin, Indiana, uh, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. Those of you that know me uh, know that I am passionate about evangelism. And I have been since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. I had so many people, I go back and look at that, so many friends and people that were concerned about me that, that, made the, that took the time and, and, and made the effort uh, to try to share with me spiritual things. And, uh, and I'm continuing to try to pass that on. And, and to use a few phrases from scripture, I've always been striving to teach others to sow the seed to fish for men and women, and to teach, to make disciples, uh, to persuade men and women. And also, uh, I always do this uh, on every one of the episodes uh, to read 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Paul talking to Timothy there, and he says, and the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Mm -hmm. So with all that, I, I came up with this idea of trying to, uh, to identify uh, Christians, men and women, fellow workers who are doing this, who are involved in reaching and leading others to Christ. And uh, once we've identified them, to interview them, and we want to learn more about them, who they are, where they are, how they're doing their work, and, and those type things. So we're excited today to have someone with us that we can learn something from. So I want to encourage you to get out your, I've got my yellow pad with me, I'm ready to take notes myself. Uh, but I want you to uh, get out paper and pencil and, uh, and listen to us today. But we're so excited. Our guest is Ralph Walker. Welcome, Ralph. Oh, thanks, Dan. It's such a good thing to be with you today. Um, I'm in Tampa, Florida, and we've got rain outside. So it's nice to have some sunshine uh, shed on a really important topic. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, that, that's wonderful. I, Ralph works with the, and he's going to tell us more about this in a minute, but he works with the Henderson Boulevard Church of Christ there in Tampa. And um, we really appreciate you taking the time today to, to do this with us. Ralph, I was thinking, well, I know we visited a little bit the other day. I guess you and I first met. It's going, we're going to tell everybody how old we are. But it's when you were a student at Florida College and I was the basketball coach there, right? That's right. Yeah, I came to the college in uh, 72, fall of 72. Wow. And I left in the spring of 75 and started full-time work then. So, yeah, you were, you were a big influence on me. You taught me um, in a couple of classrooms, but I also watched the team play that you coached. And it was a great team, great guys on that team. Yeah, it, it was a, good, a lot of good memories for sure. Yep. Uh, and and uh, I want to share this too with us. Our uh, granddaughters, uh, Kaylin and Denson Butler, have been uh, worshiping there with you guys at, at uh, Henderson Boulevard. And, and uh, I, I was with them the other day, and we were talking about who I was going to interview next. And I said, well, who do you think I should interview? And they all, they, at the same time, our daughter, Kim, and the two granddaughters all at the same time said, Ralph Walker. So I said, okay, we got, <laughs> we got to do this then. How all right, nice. Ralph, what, what, this, that's great. Why don't we do this? Let's start out with, uh, because I know a lot of people know you, Ralph. A lot of people yep. don't know you. 
Why don't you, let's start out with a little bit about your, uh, give us a short bio of where you're from originally and, and kind of bring us up to date. Okay, I'll make this quick. I grew up in Tampa, Florida, and I went to Florida College, and it was there I decided I really wanted to preach the gospel. So that, that was a, Florida College's major impetus for me to um, start thinking about preaching Jesus Christ. So I got married, married a girl that I knew met here, Paula Robarts from Jacksonville. And we've preached um, around the South most of my time. I was in Louisville, Kentucky and Cleveland, Mississippi in the heart of the Delta. And then most of my time was in Concord, North Carolina, where I preached until I came back to the college. I was invited to come back in 94 and work as the public relations and alumni director. And at that time, I started working part time with the Henderson Boulevard Church. And that has since I've left the college and I've gone back to full-time preaching, and I'm still at Henderson Boulevard. I serve there as a preacher and one of five shepherds there. And we have a pretty good uh, contingent of college students, as you mentioned, uh, Jensen and others that are there. And so we, we get to the blessing of working with some really great young people, and that is a, a big factor in my thinking about evangelism, how to get these young people involved early on in winning others for Jesus Christ. All right. Well, that's that's uh, that's really good. Uh, you know, uh, uh, so a couple of other questions about Henderson Boulevard. Uh, mm -hmm. Numbers wise, about how big is the congregation? Well, of course, right now we're pretty small because of the COVID well, thing. But uh, typically just just under 300, sometimes uh, over, but it, I'd say probably in the high 200s. Okay. And we're pretty, pretty maxed out on our building when that happens. So. Yeah, I was going to say that would uh, that would fill the building up. Yep. And I know there's a couple things that just to kind of get some of this uh, out of the way. A couple things that y'all do a little different there in your morning service. Would you share that of how you uh, uh, of how y'all do that? Yeah, we meet for three hours on Sunday morning. We have a a nine o'clock service that is totally dedicated for an hour to the Lord's Supper, and it's we it's a eulogy service. Everything there moves us to the table where we participate in that. And that's a really rich experience. Spending that much time preparing our hearts to partake of the bread and the cup is really precious to us. And then we break and go to classes and we have classes for all ages. And then we come back together for praise and preaching, which would look like most churches Sunday night. It'll be a, a, a singing sermon and an invitation and we and then we close so we're there from 9 to 12 every sunday and then we have midweek study uh, on wednesdays thursdays in the summer but uh, wednesdays during the school year and you said uh, how many elders did you say that you have there are five of us how many deacons uh we have uh, 15 deacons okay great okay um and again, uh, every time I talk with somebody, you know, every congregation, we're all supposed to be the same from the standpoint yeah. of what we're teaching, but every group looks different, right? You right. experience that in uh, yes. the makeup, uh, uh, ages, and all those type things. Uh, uh, but I just wanted to uh, cover a little bit of that. But th this is not a, a negative thing, but I just I'm, I want to get this out of the way. Why do you think there are so many congregations, Ralph, that are not and this is going to sound negative, but why are so many congregations not involved in evangelism? It's like they're just all inward focused and there's nothing that they're doing reaching out to the community. Why, why do you think that's going on? 
it, I, I don't know that I could make a firm statement and say this is why. But I, I can speak from some experiences. I am blessed to work with congregations around the country that are fervent in evangelism, and what a great joy that is when that happens, um, that I get to see them in action and learn from them. But I do think that it's always easy to float downstream and to keep house. I, and I think if you don't have people who are constantly needling you about evangelism, it is one of, I mean, you know, if there's not somebody like, like you or others who are saying, hey, this is what it's about. We need to get back to this. It's easy to just keep house. Um, I, and, and I'll use that analogy. It's easy for me to live in our house the way it is until Paula comes through and says, you know what, this kitchen's a mess. We need to clean the dishes and get this back in order and pick up in the living room. I could live with it and it not bother me. And I don't think it's because I'm a slob or a pig. I just think we flow. It's easy to float downstream. Well, before I forget, be sure and tell Paula I said hi too. I'll uh, do that. I'll yeah. sure do that. Uh, I just, I've just always found it fascinating and, you know, I've been involved in, in starting congregations. Uh, uh, I've been in congregations where uh, they're just, uh, it, it seems like hours away from closing the doors. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I held a, I did, I do a lot of work, weekend workshops on, on evangelism and, and uh, a few years ago, I met with a group, and they said in the last year and a half, they've had a hundred funerals. And I wow. went, "What would wow. you say?" Uh, I know. And I just, can you imagine? Uh, no. And it was like, "Oh my!" So they they were a good sized congregation, but with all of that, and then a lot of people had left the community looking for jobs in other places, and they were just they were really struggling as to what what are we going to how how are we going to overcome this? Yeah. Uh, so every every group, uh, as I say, they've got their own circumstances. And you live in Tampa. Uh, uh, I don't know what the population of Tampa is now. I remember when we lived there, they used to have all the news. Seems like it was every night they would show like the population of how many new people had moved into Florida. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. It's a big yeah. population. Dan, I want I wanted to say um, one other thing. I think there is a point in a church where it's like. Um, uh, an, an airplane, you can you can head toward the ground and reach a point at which you can't pull it out from its dive. Wow. And some churches wait too long. They just they think everything's going okay. Well, we haven't had much growth this year, but that's all right, you know. And then and then it's a little more and a little more. And before you know it, they can't pull it out. And and they're so small now. Anybody walking in the doors, just exploring or looking for a church says it's not going to be here this is a small group in a massive building um i i remember when i was in college there was a church in california i'll let it remain anonymous but there was a church in california who was doing incredible things by way of evangelism and their people were going an elder and the preacher they were all over the country and i got to go hear them they were talking to others here's how you win souls here's how you do that and then i just talked to a preacher from that area not too long ago and he was telling me they closed the doors, sold the building. It no longer exists. But I wow. saw that. I saw that 10 years ago or so when I visited that congregation and a building that would hold three or 400 had like 60. Same thing happened over in Orlando with a church there that you know was going great guns. Everything seemed to be going so well. And then it died. 
And you can reach a point at which now we're almost beyond the ability to regrow. You almost have to raise it to the ground, R-A-Z-E, to the ground and start yes. over because it's it just not going to attract people. Okay, that was all I just wanted to no, add. No, that, that's, uh, uh, that, that's part of what we're doing with this is just sure. try to think through uh, the reality, right? Yep. Uh, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He gave the, what we call the Great Commission. He, he told the apostles, told us, we're supposed to do the same thing. Yep. Uh, I think sometimes we forget our mission. And, uh, uh, and again, you know, we, what's the song in the songbook? Revive us again. Yes. Uh, and it could be that that needs to be. Uh, I've got a, a an article that somebody shared with me a few years ago, and it was in the uh, Owensboro Messenger and Enquirer on April the thirtieth on my that's my birthday okay. uh, when I was fourteen years old. I, I was not a Christian until I was twenty one. Yeah. But the title of the article and it was Associated Press article, and it was uh, that it was Church of Christ, the fastest growing church in America. So when I was fourteen years old. Uh, that that was uh, that was the national uh, news item, if you will, and uh, so anyway, it's just those type of things to explore. And now, did you grow up in the church? Uh, use that language. Yeah, my, yeah. My parents were both Christians, and I grew up in a, a great atmosphere and a small congregation in, in the very south end of Tampa. But um, for years, it did fine, and then it had that problem. It aged out, and there was people coming into the area. At one time, MacDill Air Force Base was a big, big conduit for people for us at MacDill Avenue because it was a church located outside the gates of MacDill, and that base in its heyday was massive. But it, it, it aged out, and the congregation closed its doors, and uh, the people that were there ended up at Henderson Boulevard. Okay. My mind's going a lot of, i got to say, focused on this, or I'll get sidetracked okay. here. Sure. Now, I know uh, you mentioned uh, one of the things that when we talked the other day, you mentioned one of your deacons, his responsibility. I think you said his name was Garrett Qualls. Yep. Uh, and his, his responsibility or his focus is evangelism. Can you share with us what he does? Absolutely. Uh, Dan, I've been thinking about what I would want to share with your listening audience. And there, there's one thing that really comes to my mind, one thing, and it is creating a culture of evangelism. I've listened to the guys that you've had, not all of them, but some of them, and some of them are dear friends of mine. Brent Hunter and I were in school together um, at Florida College. Kerry Keenan and I share hair. Um, <laughs> I wish I wish you'd share some with me. Kerry's got really good hair. He has yeah. good hair. Um, but I think I think one of the things about those guys and others, I'm sure, Rick Billingsley, I, I love uh, what they do there is creating a culture of evangelism. Evangelism isn't what we do, it's what we are. And yes. that's not just true for individuals, that's also true for the church itself. So I, I, I will say, I can't imagine a church that has deacons that doesn't have a deacon who's focused on evangelism. And by that, I do not mean a deacon who does the evangelism but a deacon who serves the church by focusing on evangelism. And if you've got, if, it's, if a church may say, well, we don't even have elders and deacons, there's somebody in that church that has a heart for evangelism. And if they do, that church needs to enable that person to do whatever they feel they ought to do 
in that area. So we've got, we have several men, several men who could do this, but Garrett loves doing it. And what I think he brings to the table is, number one, he's always open to ideas. So we've tried several different things in reaching the community and people with the gospel. Some of them work and some of them don't. That doesn't become discouraging. If it doesn't work, we move on. If it works, we nurture it. And Garrett, Garrett's always got ideas and he's always got something else he wants us to work on. He doesn't do it himself. It's not, if you can find some people, I'll go teach them. But we do several things. For example, um, I, I have always had found great success in using these cards in teaching people that Jerry McDonald did many, many years ago. Uh, Jerry was prominent out on the West Coast, and he created this four-lesson series on reaching people with the gospel. And, and they, I, it was very systematic and orderly. And what I liked about it is you're laying these small cards out on a table uh, three by five or four by six cards and you lay them out one after another so that the people can see them and work with them. But listen, I'm not pushing that system. I only brought that up to say one of the things we've done is periodically we have a special class for all the members that want to learn how to use those cards. Because uh, one of the objections people have is I'd like to teach people, but I don't know what to teach them. Right. I don't know where to start. And there are great ideas. I've heard some of your other guys. I heard Wilson say, I use my own stuff. That's wonderful, Wilson Adams. That's great. I'm not pushing a system to say this works and everybody ought to try it. Big picture of the Bible is a great system. But the main thing is just enable people to feel confident to share the gospel with their friends. And there's a you know, there are all kinds of things out there. There's just a lot. And I don't want, need to go to all of them. But Garrett teaches, leads us in those classes. In, in the case of the cards, he asked me if I would go through it. So I teach the class as if these are students who don't know the gospel and are interested in knowing it. And I just walk them through that whole thing. So we do that. Garrett leads us in uh, meetups. He sets those up. People are sometimes familiar with that. And I, I engaged in one of those for almost a year with Garrett, where we met at Krispy Kreme at six o'clock in the evening on Wednesday night. So we, uh, we met there. We had a group of about three that met regularly. One woman that came every week. In fact, she was the only one had perfect attendance. Even Garrett and I didn't, but she had perfect attendance. And, uh, and then I was able to set up a Bible study with her after that. Now, it didn't bear fruit yet, but I still have hopes that one day Tracy will say, I really need to come back to that. She was a, a nominal Catholic and, uh, at the time and unhappy with that. So meetups work. It's a, it's a great way to do that. We've done summer series on Thursday nights. We shift from Wednesday to Thursday. And we will target on every Thursday night through the summer some subject or topic that meets a theme. Sometimes those are for the community, like uh, questions that you may have about God, or it might be uh, going through the Bible uh, his chronologically or historically. So we, we do things like that, that that try to reach people in the community. So there are just a lot of things. Garrett's a great, great leader in that. And I think every church needs somebody who's dedicated to helping the church develop a culture of evangelism. And then if I can say one more thing and then I'll quit. 
I don't want you to quit. Well, no, I'm just saying I'll, I'll, I'll let you get back to where you, I don't want to hijack your program. But we also have, Dan, a deacon of the front door. That's what he's called, the deacon of the front door. And his whole job is to think like a customer, a, a visitor to our church. From the time they get out of their car, are we being friendly? Are, do they know where the entrance is? Are there entrances that are locked? I've been to church buildings where I had to go around the building to three different entrances, trying doors because I didn't know which was the main one and how to get into it. I've been to one church where it was like I was in the maze in Crete, you know, and I was waiting for the Minotaur to come out. I couldn't find my way to the auditorium because yeah. it wasn't clearly marked. Are things marked? Are the bathrooms marked? And I don't mean, is there a sign on the door? Is there a sign sticking out in the hall so that I can see down the hall where the classrooms are and what their numbers are? Make it visitor friendly. We make such assumptions that everybody knows what's going on. The oh, deacon of the front door does that for us. From the time you walk in the foyer, is it friendly? Are our tracks, if we have tracks or booklets, are they prominently displayed? And are they winsome tracks? You know? Yes. Are, are, are they confrontational? Do, do you look like you're ready to fight? Is it start? Is it, do they have cobwebs? Does it show <laughs> you don't care about what this building looks like? All those things are important and greeters are vital. And greeters need to be people who have smiles on their faces. They don't look like they were weaned on pickles. They, they are happy people who are really glad to greet and meet people and bring them in. Okay, that's it. Right. Those two deacons are vital for us. Well, that is, that is so good there. You're right. The, the friendliness, uh, when we try to, if we invite people, if we motivate our members enough to, to convince them that they need to be inviting people, and if they invite and somebody comes, and if everybody's staring at them and there nobody yeah. is yeah. friendly to them, uh, how embarrassing, right? And you would think you wouldn't you wouldn't have to teach people these things, but Ralph, we have to. You, like you said, you can't assume that everybody's going to be friendly and courteous. And I mean, I've had people. I had this happen one time. Uh, some visitors came, invited them to come, and they came in and sat down. And uh, and uh, two of the uh, older members came over to them and stood there and just looked at them oh. and and said, "You're sitting in our You're seat. You're in my seat." I've had that happen to me. Oh, me and Paula. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I was uh, in a meeting. I was in a meeting and uh, oh. Paul leaned over and said, do they not know who you are? I mean, not that I'm famous, but I was there to hold a meeting for these people. And somebody said, you're in our seat. Yes. Can I say one more thing? I, I'll tell you what some churches do. They yes. line up the foyer. They line up the foyer with the men and it's like running a gauntlet. Oh, wow. You know, don't do that. Don't put yeah. men on both sides and force people to go down. That's fine for a, a introducing a basketball team yes. or a high five, low five and come through. But honestly, the men aren't always the friendliest and they're not all, they sometimes are intimidating. And when, when people have to run a gauntlet of the foyer, some churches think, well, that's friendly. We're all shaking hands and introducing ourselves. Get some women out there because yes. they are friendly and they can do a great job. I'm not saying all women, but mix it up. Don't let it be the stern men who have to welcome everybody in the foyer. Yeah, that's, that's right. So, so don't you see, you see why I think it's important to do this, to sit down and have sure. a conversation and say, 
how, let's just review uh, everything that we're doing and don't uh, and don't make assumptions and don't assume people know where the restroom is. I like your your track rack with, with winsome uh, topics. That's yeah. so good. I've seen yeah. some that are like you're. Oh. They want to, oh. you know, like you 15, wanna, 15 reasons why I'll never be a Roman Catholic or things like yeah. that. You know, what what if somebody walk? I mean, I'm not saying there are good reasons why I'm not a Roman Catholic, but that's not the first thing I want to shove into somebody's face when they walk in the door. No, no. You know, do you have a, uh, is there maybe a story that we're about out of time here, a story that comes to mind of somebody that you studied with in the past uh, that became a Christian? Uh, is there any, any particular story of somebody that you can remember or think about? You know, I will tell you one thing that stands out in my mind. When I was in Concord, North Carolina, we had this family that walked in one day, a man and woman, two small boys. And I don't change my sermons for audiences. I don't do that. I know some preachers that do. I admire them and their ability to do that. I just don't do that. I preach what I plan to preach. So my lesson that day had some really strong messages about giving and, and, and particularly about churches that kind of milk members for money and uh, denominational groups that are just so consumed about money, all that kind of thing. And I thought the whole time I was preaching, Oh, this couple, this family's going to say, we're out of here. We don't need that or want that ever. It was somewhat negative. They came out the door and the lady said, I never heard anybody preach on that before. She said, but I believe everything you said today will be back. They became Christians. Their boys became Christians when they grew up. And uh, they're, they're still in the church at Concord to this day. And I'll, I'll never forget them and never forget that. Sometimes you don't know. And I want to say that's kind of a, a different thrust than what I was saying about the tracks. But the tracks are in your face and you don't really, people aren't going to pick it up and look at it. But if they'll listen to a lesson, sometimes a lesson that's hard or maybe confrontational or controversial might touch a heart. Jesus preached those kinds of sermons, and I wouldn't hesitate to do that, but I always try to think I want to speak the truth in love. Good, good. I know you've already said a couple of one things. I told you we always end every episode. So I'm listening to Ralph, and you got me excited, and you're making me think about some things. Uh, but what's my takeaway here? What's one thing that I need to learn how to do or start doing if I want to get involved in evangelism? Well, first is to, is, to, is to love souls and realize everybody's got one and everybody needs one. One of my favorite passages about this, and I wanted to kind of close my, my part with this, is I, I, love, I love Psalm 126. The latter part of that says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Psalm 126, that's uh, verses five and six. I love that passage. And I tell people, there is no greater joy than seeing somebody you know and care about come to the Lord Jesus Christ and give their life to him. Oh yeah. Even a greater joy than the physical birth of your children, because this has eternal consequences. And if, if I can get people to see how important this is, how vital it is, not only for the other souls, but for our own welfare. It's tough work. The going out and sowing, it's discouraging at times. It's debilitating at times. But if you can do that work, you'll come back in, bringing your sheaves with you 
and with shouts of joy. I, I love that concept and thought, and I try to try to get people to see that and give that a chance. I challenge them with that. I think sometimes we forget about our own salvation. We forget yeah. about the joy. Yeah. You think about uh, Philip and the eunuch, and, and the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. And I say to people, well, what was he so happy about, right? Yeah. And, you, and do you think he got, when he went back home, uh, he was the treasure for the queen there. And he, you think when he got back home, he told her about it? Who else did he tell yeah. about yeah. what he learned about Jesus, you know? And yep. it's just keeping that and that excitement and enthusiasm going. Uh, uh, it, it's all part of this whole thing. Um, Amen. Okay. The other thing is, so I want to get in touch with Ralph Walker. What's the best way for our audience if they wanted to reach out to you, Ralph? Well, I'm not a big Facebook guy. I have an account there and somebody can find me there, but the easiest way, and I'm still an old email guy or a phone call. So my email address is my name, Ralph Walker. And I, my email address is at Reagan as in Ronald Reagan, R-E-A-G-A-N.com, Ralph Walker at Reagan.com. And the Henderson Boulevard Church has a website, and uh, you can pass a word on there or send a message to the shepherds, and it'll always come to the five of us. We'll all get it. So if somebody has a question or wants to know more about something regarding the church, they're welcome to go to the Henderson Boulevard, B-L-V-D, Henderson B-L-V-D, um, Dot com. That's the easiest way to get in touch with us at the church. Well, thank you. And uh, we, we encourage everyone that's listening to these episodes to please share this on Facebook or however you share with, uh, with your friends. And uh, we've been really, uh, it's really exciting of how many people Ralph are showing interest in this and are, that yeah. are curious and coming in and listening. And yeah. uh, we encourage you to share it with your friends as well, too. Absolutely. Uh, because we're, we're striving to uh, continue and carry out the Great Commission and, and help lead others to Christ. So again, Ralph, uh, we love you, man. Appreciate you. Do, and p- please tell Paula hi and keep up your good work there at Henderson Boulevard. And thank you we'll once again. You're so welcome, Dan. God bless you. Lord's peace be with you. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.